All right, so Luke chapter 24, I'm going to read down through verses 1 through 5. This is probably more of an Easter time sermon, but, I'm, but the Lord led me to preach this today to you. Um, seeking the living amongst the dead. And I'll just to set this story up for you, Jesus had been crucified. There were some ladies that come down to, you know, the, 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 the contrast in this thing is they came down to find a dead Jesus. Uh, only to find that the tomb was empty. But, it, but, but, but this is the tendency of believers is to go looking for Jesus as if he's dead or a thing of history. But they went down to anoint the body and prepare it for the burial that, that it was going through. They were worried about how they were going to get the stone rolled back. But only to their surprise, they were met there by angels who said, why are you seeking the living? amongst the dead so this is the story and it's in chapter 24 verse 1 it says on the first day of the week very early in the morning the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb they found the stone rolled away from the tomb but when they entered they did not find the body of the lord jesus and while they were wondering about this suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them in their fright, the women bowed down their faces to the ground, but the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. And remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee, the Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day he will rise again? Father in heaven, we pray in the name of Jesus. Ask your anointing over the sermon, Lord, that you have given me, Lord, and ask you to give it to us, Lord, in the power of the Holy Spirit. And we give you all praise and all glory, Lord God, as we'll be your mouthpiece and hide behind the cross of Christ. Then you speak, Lord, your servants are listening. Give us ears to hear, Lord, what the Spirit is saying to the church and give us wisdom of mind to understand it and convey it to our heart that it may change our lives and we may live for you in every way. And God, we ask this in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. Now, I want to break this down to you because on the first day of the week, they went down there and, and the women took these spices that they had prepared and they went to the tomb. Okay. They were going to the tomb with a, with a mindset that Jesus was dead. They were going to the tomb with a mindset that Christ's work on earth was done and he was a thing of the past and dead had, the death had claimed him. And he was in the tomb and they had everything for, tomb, for the tomb situation, for the burial situation. Their hearts were not prepared for what they were going to. And I dare say that there's a lot of people that goes to church that way. That they go to church thinking that Jesus is a, is a documented thing of the past, that we are thinking of Him. It's more like a memorial service than it is a church service of the living Christ. I want you to understand that He is not dead. The message of these angels to the women was, was this very thing. You've come for the wrong reason. You come to see a dead man. Why are you coming here to see a dead man? Why are you coming here to visit this tomb of someone who is living? I want you to understand your belief in Christ Jesus is a living. He's a living thing. He's alive. He lives. 
He's not dead. He's not gone. He's not a thing of the past. This is not a memorial service. It's a celebration of the life that he lives right now in you, with you, and around you. That you have the potential to live in Christ today. And if, you, if your faith is dead, if your faith is in a dead Savior, then you're a person most miserable. But if your faith is in Christ Jesus who lives and who lives right now and he is in your very heart and he is in your very decision making and he's in your very mind that he's not a dead thing, but he's actually living with you and living in the events and, and things that happen in your life with you. You don't have to go through things alone. You don't have to face each day alone. You don't have to, to say, Lord, what, you know, I, I wonder what Jesus would have done. You don't have to ask what would Jesus have done because you can ask him and he'll show you what, what, what you should do. Because he's alive and he's in your heart and he's with you. He's a very living thing. He can make changes even unto this day in your life. He can heal you. He can help you. He can be with you. He can walk with you through the things of life. He's alive and he's risen and he's not in the tomb. Lots of people today serve Christ as if he's dead. Christians today think that they, they serve a dead Christ. Out of religiousness, they serve him. It drastically changes your mindset when you understand that Jesus is not just a historical figure, but he's quite present in reality today. If you could ever just get a hold of this fact and understand that he is a present reality. That when you're sitting in front of the television screen and you're watching whatever it is you're watching, he's watching it with you. That when you're thinking and meditating on certain things, when you're scrolling through the computer, he sees what you see. He hears what you hear. He is actively involved in your life with you. Do you understand? Through every decision, through every thought, the Bible says, by every thought, by every word that comes out of man, we shall be judged. He's in your every thought. The Bible says, whoever looks upon a woman, okay, that's that, that right there goes into your thought life. That God understands the thought life even. He's, he's in your every minute of your day, every minute of your life, every second of your life, he's there. If you can understand this and learn to accept this and surrender to that and allow Christ to live in you and through you and you be the second person involved, not the first person, the second person involved. He's not your co-pilot. I take great offense to these stickers that I see on people's, people's cars. Jesus is my co-pilot. Well, friend, you got it all wrong. He should be the pilot. You just need to be the passenger. But let him live, let him guide you, let him g g help you go through the very things of your life, everything you do. Don't think you're in charge. Let him be in charge. Is that your mindset? Let Christ be in charge, not you. You don't deserve to be in charge, for one thing. You can't be in charge. Jesus had, had to come because men were in charge. You have a Savior because you can't lead yourself. You're not able to find your way. Okay? Millions of people, and this is an interesting fact, millions of people across the globe make a pilgrimage every year over to Israel to see a tomb that's empty. 
Now think about that. Whenever we go to go on vacation or we go somewhere, we go with the expectation to see something. To experience something. But millions of people go to visit a tomb where there's nothing there. It's just an empty hole. Because it's not what's there, it's what's not there. It's what makes people come from across the world to see an empty tomb. The bones of other folks, of other religions are still in place, but the bones of Jesus Christ are not there because He lives. You have to understand that and grab a hold of that in your life. The women came to the tomb for the burial purposes, but they experienced the empty tomb. Your soul needs to take a journey to that tomb. You need to experience what they experienced. The absent Jesus from death and burial. He's not there. And when you get, finally your soul gets the message that He is alive and He is well, it radically changed your life as it did these women right here. Going expecting to do one thing and then finding out that Christ lives was something that dramatically changed these women, even though they were told that Jesus himself said that he was going to rise again. But you know, who would believe such a thing, Tom? Who would believe that? Who would believe that someone said, okay, I'm going to raise from the dead and actually do it? You you know, death is such a sure thing. We know it. We've seen it. We've been to how many funerals in your life? You've seen people laying there in the casket. What if you went to to, to go see a, a man who said he was going to rise again, but you, you, you've been to millions, hundreds of, of these daggone uh, funerals, and you went there and the, the casket was open and they weren't there. We tend to think that Jesus is locked into the things of this life that we call 100% surety. He's not limited to this life. He's alive. And death couldn't even hold him. Death couldn't even hold him. It's a brand new perspective. When your soul firsthand sees that death has no control over Christ. Now here's the message. The women went to see Jesus in the tomb. And the tomb was empty. What's the message to me? We always just look at it from the one-sided perspective. That Jesus lives. Right? But the message behind this is also for you. That if you would believe in Christ and you would follow Him in the trueness and sincerity of your heart, listen, your tomb will also be empty. That you won't be there either. Well, how do you mean, Pastor Jay? The Bible says that it, during the, even the rapture of the church, it says that, that the dead in Christ would rise first. And then those of us that remain will be caught up in the air after them forever to be with the Lord. And listen, that's an empty tomb situation. To where the graveyard will not hold the body of a loved one. That your tomb also shall be empty. That's the message of this. It's not just come and worship Jesus, but even though He's worthy, the, the message is also to you that if you would believe, look at here, the sure as this tomb is empty, when you make your pilgrimage over to Israel and over there and you see the empty tomb, you're looking at yours one day, brother. 
But the promise is also to you. That he that conquered death gave you victory over death, hell, and the grave as well. And you will be an empty tomb. Your tomb will be empty. Somebody shout amen. Real loud for me. One, two, three. Amen. No, no, that was weak. I know we got some big mouth people in here. At least that's what Rich told me, Shelly. So again, on one, two, three. Amen. That's much better. Rich ain't here to defend himself, people listening out there on the podcast. So we can talk bad about him today. Can I have another amen? amen. Yeah. This is talk bad about your fellow parishioner day. Give me an amen. amen. All right. Well, we're having a much better service without Rich. Amen. Yeah. Come on. One, two, three. Amen. I'm scared of that. <laughs> oh, just kidding, Rich. We still love you, man. Wow. Listen, dead things brings no life when it comes to this, when it comes to your belief in Christ. When it comes to your belief and you're believing in a statue, an inanimate thing, or, or a bird, or whatever. Listen, those, those things die and do not resurrect. But dead, dead things like this brings no life. Jesus Christ brings life to the believer. The promise is not only will you find an empty tomb, but you as well will leave a tomb empty for your belief in Christ Jesus. That life everlasting is yours. There is no other religion in the world that can give a person eternal life other than Christianity. I want you to, I want you to know that. Everything else was man-made. This one was made by God. Jesus says this, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. In John 14 and 6, he says, I am the resurrection and the life, and who believes in me will still live even if he dies. Whoever lives and believes in me, in John 11, 25 and 26 says, he will never die. Let me read that again. Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. There, there he's saying, when the women went to see the tomb, they found that Jesus had been resurrected and that he was alive. He's the resurrection. He's the life. He who believes in me will still live even if, his, even if he dies. There's your promise of your empty tomb. They came to see me. They found out that I'm alive. And if you believe in me, you too will leave an empty tomb. You will live even though your body dies. He says again, he reiterates, whoever lives and believes in me will never die. What does that tell me? It tells me this, that my last breath here is my first breath there. The death ain't got me. People says when I die, if you're a believer, you're not going to die. You'll never experience death. You'll never experience having to lay in the ground waiting for something to happen. Your last breath here is your first breath there. Death is not yours to experience. Jesus says, I came that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. That being said, why do we look for Jesus? That is for a full and abundant life. 
But we look in all the wrong places. Satan leads us into all kinds of temporary fixes. He leads us into things that we look for that we think can better our life. But we only find that we are happy for a little while, but only go right back to a, a, an existence of, of, that leaves us empty. People turn to alcohol. They turn to drugs because that brings a temporary relief to whatever strains and issues that they have in this life, only to find that when it's all said and done, it's right back again. The only elixir there is out there that produces a permanent fix is when a person truly believes in Jesus Christ. You have been healed and delivered from that mindset and you understand that life is yours forever. And true happiness, soulful happiness, what people are really looking for, things that really produce the feeling of success, like you have really accomplished something, is not found in the works and the things of this world. It is a spiritual thing that exists within your heart. And when you find that true relationship with Christ, it's better than any home run, better than any touchdown, better than anything you could ever do. It brings complete and utter satisfaction into your heart and soul. There is nothing like walking with God down there in Kentucky in the woods and you see the animals and you breathe the air and you see the trees and you listen to the water and you see the cliffs and you see the waterfalls and you see the animal life all around you and you're walking with God and you're talking with God. That is utter, complete satisfaction. You're in God's element, walking with God, talking with God, experiencing Jesus Christ, letting him live within your heart, listening to the words of God and all that he portrays and goes on in your life and everything that you see. The Bible says that even nature declares his existence. Oh, I love to see the Lord. Everything that you should lay your eyes on in this world declares the existence of God. When you're looking for him, he will be found by you. The Bible says when we diligently seek his face, when we humble ourselves, he'll heal our land. He, he will be found by you when you look for him with all your heart. You'll find what your soul has been missing. You won't need all the other stuff because you'll have Christ. You won't have a, a crave, a desire, this compulsion to try to find something to bring you happiness. You, you won't need that because Christ is there. And when the joy of your life becomes serving God and having that in your heart, that's when your life changes. When being happy just means being with the Lord to you, you then have arrived. I want to just read this again. And I want to just go back there 2,000 years ago with you. Now I want to imagine, I want you to imagine this with me. Go back in time with me. We are going to the tomb. We're in Israel. It has been a sad, sad few days. The one in whom you have believed in, that you had publicly confessed your belief in, had been cruelly mistreated, mocked, scorned, put on a cross, stabbed in the side, beaten with a cat of nine tails, 
crowned with a crown of thorns, bloodied, bludgeoned, and just totally disregarded by the people in whom he came to save. You watched as they did all these things and you seen the bloody, the bloody floor and the bloody ground from when he was lacerated by that whip. You seen his body beaten to a pulp and all these carnal things that you were witnessing just convinced your mind and your soul that nothing could overcome such an evil thing. That who could live through that? That if, you know, Satan always tries to use carnal things to discourage the believer from something spiritual. And they beat and bludgeoned him and spit on him and they made all kinds of, of accusations against him which were false. And around the cross even, you watched him drive the nine inch nails through his hands and through his feet. And you watched him try to breathe and try to live as he hung there. And you thought in your own mind, these women, as they're going down to there, and they, they, they had been thinking about this whole thing. They had prepared these spices and this, and these things for the, for the funeral situation and, and to, to anoint the body and prepare the body for death. And they were thinking just, man, we're going to go and we're going to get all these physical carnal things together and we're going to go put it on his physical carnal body because just no one could overcome something like that. But listen, not the cat of nine tails. That lacerated him beyond belief. Not the crown of thorns. Not the spear that pierced his side. Not the nine inch spikes that held him to a wooden tree. None of those produced something so bad in Jesus' body. That God couldn't heal it. And God couldn't raise him from the dead. But our physical minds have a hard time with that. And these poor women some 2,000 years ago thought that they were going to go into a bloated, stinking, nasty body that had been that had been ravaged by death and consumed by the grave. And when they got there, it was not there. They didn't know what to say. They didn't know what to do. It took two angels appearing beside them to remind them of what Jesus said. Don't you remember? What do you think? He lied? And let me tell you something about that. And here is faith. He, he is either to you Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, the Savior of the world, the Lamb of God, risen from the grave? Or He's the biggest liar that's ever walked. Which one is He to you? He's either Lord of all or not Lord at all to you. Which one is He? Well, let me tell you something. I believe. As for me, I believe. With all my soul, with all my heart, I don't need to see his physical body. I don't need to go and I don't need to, I don't even need to visit that tomb. I know that he lives. 
I don't need convincing. My heart knows it. I've been showed it by redemption, by salvation, by reconciliation, by justification. All those things that come to me has revealed Christ to me. My life changed. I don't need convincing. I had a tomb experience at an altar some 30 years ago. I seen Christ. I had him come into my heart. No one can tell me different. I live just as he lives spiritually. God resurrected me from the dead J to the new J. And I don't need convincing. Christ lives in my heart today he lives two angels appeared and convinced these young ladies you came here seeking the living amongst the dead why are you doing that so I'm telling you I'm giving you the message an early Easter message Is it going to take angels to come and visit you to tell you? The tomb's empty because he's alive today. He's well today. And he's here for you. And all you have to do is seek him as if he's living. Don't seek him as if he's dead. Don't seek a dead Christ. You'll never find him. Seek a living Christ. And he'll be found by you.